It's been a long week for me this week, and I hope my voice holds up to share with you what's been burdening, what burden God has put on my heart. This is supposed to be spiritual gifts Sabbath. Did everybody get one of these spiritual gifts surveys? If you haven't, there are some out in the foyer out there. I'd like for you to take one and make sure you do it. The purpose for the spiritual gifts test, I hope, will become evident by the time we're done. And that is, something has happened to our church since 2020. It looks nothing like it used to look before then. I look around now and I see tape on the pews, everybody's sitting every other space. Things have changed. But the reality is the gospel must go forward. It must triumph. And so today we're going to talk about rebuilding the church. And not the way it was built before. Because if we rebuild it the way it was built before, 2020 will happen again. And we can't afford to have the enemy slowing down, hindering the work of God. So let's bow our heads, pray. Eternal Father and our God, it's you we want to hear from today. It's a glimpse of Jesus we want to see today. Hide me behind his cross. Speak through this frail voice. But Lord, let your people hear from you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, it's no secret that the pandemic of 2020 has decimated our churches. It has changed our attendance, and I hope it's not forever. COVID-19 has left gaps and holes in the church infrastructure. And as a result of that, God's mission has suffered. The world is suffering also because of that. So I want us to see a connection between us being able to carry out the mission of the church and God's blessing, not just upon us, but upon the world. God raised up a church. He raised up this country to protect the freedoms of the church. And now where once stood the United States of America, we're looking at the divided people of America. Where once stood separation of church and state, we're now seeing that the churches are conceding their rights to the, to the state. Only one person can be happy with that. That would have to be the devil. But it's time for us to rebuild a church. 
It's time for us to repair that wall of protection that God wants for his people and for those who journey with us to enjoy. So the question is, how do we go about rebuilding this church? How can we rebuild it in such a way that when the next crisis comes, it strengthens us, it doesn't weaken us? If we understand our prophecy correctly, this is just the beginning. There are more crises to come. And if, we, and if we're going to get weaker and weaker each time, something is wrong. So if the church is to be rebuilt, we cannot rebuild it using the old model. The old model, how many of you are familiar with that, that 2080 model? where it was 20% of the people doing 80% of the work in the church. That model was not designed of God. That was not his intention. His intention was to have every able and not so able body participating in the building up of his kingdom. And so today I want us to look at just how it is that Jesus built his church. You know, Jesus did in three and a half years what most churches have not been able to do in decade after decade of being in their area of God's vineyard. Jesus, in three and a half years, turned upside down his area of the vineyard. Can we say that about ourselves? Have we turned Battle Creek upside down? Last night I was talking with a family member and he asked this question. If your church was no longer here, would the community miss you? Would we be missed? Moving forward, we're going to have to do things different. And it's not different being complicated. It's just different being authentic, being real. We're called to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the question for you this morning, what is your role in this gospel story? Does God need your help rebuilding his church? Does God need you to add protection to his people? And the answer is yes, absolutely, God needs you. So, let's look at how did Jesus make his ministry so successful. I want us to look at four points this morning. 
The first thing that made Jesus a success was the, re- was the fact that he knew what his business was. From 12 years of age, Jesus knew he had to be about his father's business. How about us? Do we know what our role is in the mission? Do we know what our role is in reaching Battle Creek? You know, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And what made him qualified for that? It was the things he had to endure. In other words, your personal experiences in life matter. I don't want us to look at spiritual gifts as just something to attain. Spiritual gifts have no power if they don't have your experience with it. Otherwise, we're only reaching people's intellect. And it's time for us to start reaching people where it matters, in the heart. We can't let... We cannot let another 2020 come and have us sitting idly by, being afraid to reach out and help those who are in need. The Bible says we are to count our, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work. Why are we supposed to count the trials that we go through as joy? Because with those experiences, you have a first-hand opportunity to minister to other people who are going through the same thing you have gone through. God wants us to be a witness. A witness is not somebody who hears about things. A witness is not somebody who has second-hand information. A witness has to have first-hand experience. Therefore, how am I going to minister to other people if I have no experiences to go with what they're going through? Trials you have gone through in life matters. And God is wanting you to use those experiences to minister to those around you. So, Jesus knew what his father's business was. The Bible also says that Jesus was able to identify with us. Are we identifying with our community? Are we identifying with one another in our church? You know, the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners. 
And I think instead we've made it a museum for saints. We have allowed, we, we have focused on perfecting saints instead of reaching out and ministering to those who are in need. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, if you were to go to a hospital, you're not feeling well, you go to the hospital, and instead of ministering to you, they lecture you about how dare you got sick and it was coming to their hospital? Would that make you uncomfortable? Would that offend you? And yet, how many people come to the hospital for sinners and they get lectured on what it is they have done wrong or are doing wrong. And then we expect them to come back, and we're surprised when they don't return. We have to start understanding what our business is. It's reaching sinners. So how are we going to use our experiences in life to minister to other sinners? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11. Hebrews 2, verse 11, it says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus was not ashamed to mingle with the likes of you and me. I hope people Don't feel slighted, insulted, offended by being around us. It's amazing to me, the most perfect person that ever walked this earth, sinners were most comfortable being around him. And yet, people can come to church and feel totally left out, neglected, We can't say we're followers of Christ and we're getting a different result than he is. So something has to change. We either stop using the name or we start living up to the name. But this place, this church needs to be a hospital for sinners where people can feel comfortable in their struggles in life coming here because there are other people here who can minister to their needs. So Jesus knew his father's business. Jesus identified with us. And it says Jesus also suffered with us. Continuing on in Hebrews here, verse 14 through Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, 
and released those through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Jesus went through stuff so that he could aid each and every one of us. Likewise, our experiences in life are supposed to make it so that we can aid others who are going through the same thing. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, verse 17, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. It's in suffering with us that Jesus was able to help us. Otherwise, he could have just came down from heaven, died on a cross, and go right back. Yet he spent 33 years here. We have to say why identifying with us, suffering with us, so that he's able to aid us who are being tempted. Family, that's what we are supposed to be doing in our community. That is what people who come to this church are supposed to experience, aid in their need. Fourth point. It says Jesus was able to sympathize with us. Hebrews 4, verses 4 and 15. 14 and 15, sorry. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Did you notice the Bible didn't use the word Jesus was able to empathize with us? It said sympathize. What's the difference between empathy and sympathy? Empathy is the ability to understand what someone else is feeling or what it's like to be in their situation. It's you understanding that someone is going through pain. We need empathy, but the Bible says we have to take our Christianity beyond that. Sympathy is not, is not just understanding but is sharing in someone else's suffering. And it says it compels us to reach out and help others. So Jesus, being a sympathizing high priest, not only understood what we were going through, but it compelled him to reach out and help us. Oh, I wish Battle Creek could say that about us. That when you come to this church, oh, they, they bend over backwards to accommodate you. That we, we see what their needs are and we set out to reach it. 
We're not hoping somebody else is going to minister to them. We initiate that. You know, the reason we had that 2080 model is because so many people were willing to let somebody else minister to others. And God is calling for each and every one of us to take up our cross, take up our pain and our suffering and follow him. Enlarge the kingdom of God at all costs. Whether you have a positive experience or a negative experience, all of it God says he can make it work for good. Because in either way, you will be advancing the kingdom of God. It's not complicated, family. We just got to start looking at things again from Christ's perspective. We cannot just minister to people. We cannot just come to people with programs. They're looking for people who can identify with them who knows what they're going through and is able to take them to the next level. It's Jesus the world needs. And if Jesus hasn't done anything for you, who are you to tell anybody about Jesus? What makes you an effective witness for God is because you can say, I was there. And this is what Jesus has done for me. This is how he has changed my life. It's no longer hearsay. It's the truth. It's my first-hand experience. So if we're going to rebuild this church... If we're going to make it better than it was before, let's tap into Jesus. Let's make him the center. It's not about the denomination. It's not about bringing people just into this church. The gospel is bigger than that. The gospel is the power of God to save us. And if people can't see that in us, we can talk till we're blue in the face and it will do them no good. Give them the power of God. Show them how God has changed your life. And when he has done that, reach out to the others who are in the same boat you were. Family of tomorrow, all traces of COVID-19 were removed from this nation and from the world. We still must not return to the way things were. We must not return to church as usual, where people come into church and within six months there's a revolving door, where they don't feel comfortable because they just feel different. We need to rebuild. It says by being kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another, we must start again by stirring up love amongst ourselves. 
How do we stir up love amongst ourselves? One, we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We cannot do that again. Two, we must use our spiritual gifts that God has given us. We have to use our experiences in our lives that God has given us to build up one another so that we will not be tossed to and fro. We need the church to be stronger, and it's only stronger if we're going to help and aid one another. The mission of Christ, a.k.a. the mission of the church, had suffered great loss because of the past year. We must be about our Father's business now. The work is not for the few, but it's for everybody. God has given us all a measure of faith, and we have all been shown grace and our experiences in life matter. We must see the trials and the hardships we have been through as opportunities to meet others at their point of need, to aid those who are tempted. So I'd like to challenge all of you today. Step out of your comfort zone. Remember how God has led you in the past. And don't be afraid to share that with others along the way. I hope our spiritual gifts will not be used just to plug into church programming but to actually see the needs of others and actually reach out to them. Let them know they are welcome here. Let them know that this is a hospital for sinners. Let's bow our heads. Loving Father, we have fallen short We have not done all the things that we should have done. But Lord, we can stand this morning and and acknowledge that where sin abound, grace does much more abound. We can acknowledge, Lord, that you had never left us, nor have you forsaken us. Lord, we just want to be more like Jesus. We want to be able to see the needs of others and minister to them. We want to be about our Father's business. We want to enlarge the kingdom of God. And Lord, it's not in us to naturally do those things. But you've sent us the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit wants to put Jesus in each and every one of us. So this morning, if you're wanting to be more like Jesus, if you're wanting the Holy Spirit to be more effective in your life,
I'm going to ask you to stand. Lord, you see our feeble attempts. You see that we want to do these things. Lord, we believe what you need to help our unbelief. We want to be a living sacrifice. We want heaven, Lord, to be bigger. We want heaven to be a place where everybody wants to go. Time is short. Your people need power from on high. And so, Lord, again, we just ask you to complete us, please, in Jesus' name, amen.